Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, good morning, Mackenzie. Well, you're a bit, you're a bit louder than the first day, 8 o'clock service. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Now I feel like family. I, it's good to be with you here this morning in Mackenzie. I always liken coming uh, as a Redlands person, coming uh, back to Mackenzie is coming home to the mothership. So it's uh, lovely to be with you all this morning. I want to begin by putting my glasses on. Um, very formal declaration, not that. Although a handy hack, if you've gone to a restaurant or something, you can't read the menu and you've left your glasses behind, Turn your camera on, zoom. Show me the life hack. <laughs> you got that for nothing. <laughs> I promised my wife that I'm going to stick to my notes because Aboriginal people got a we go walkabout. And if, and if I go walkabout and go away from this, you'll have some funny stories, but we mightn't hit time, you know, so I, I want to try and stick to my notes. I want to begin by acknowledging the presence of Almighty God maker of heaven and earth, maker of the land and sea and sky and the ground where we now worship. I want to acknowledge the great creator who entrusted the stewardship of this country to the traditional owners, their elders, their children and descendants. I want to acknowledge the new Australians, your ancestors, who came here and bought the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one who bridged the gap between the old and new covenants, the one who brings peace, the one who declares his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to also acknowledge our ancestors, both mine and yours. We are shaped by our ancestors for better or for worse. For the sad stories of our ancestors, I take refuge in that passage from Romans 8.28, where it says, and we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God has this way in his economy of taking tough things and making them beautiful. Amen? I'm banking on that for my people, for our people, as we journey into the future. For the good stories in our ancestry, I want to praise God for those who invested in us, for those who have loved us, for those who have inspired us to be our better selves, for the spiritual forerunners who may not be our biological family but have loved us as if they were. I want you to think of all the people in your life now who have made you who you are. That person that prayed for you, that person who modelled the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ for you, those people have influenced you to get you here this morning. Someone's invested in you. We didn't roll out of the cereal packet, ta-da, like this. Some of our convictions have been shaped because somebody else spoke truth into us, spoke love into us, spoke God into us. Those people I want to acknowledge and thank God for them this morning. As 
Tim shared, my name is Grant and I'm part of the We Are Gold Fellowship and I'm also part of Redland Bay. Uh, and I praise God for that because we started building a house down there and this mob decided to build a church right on our doorstep and a church plant and I said, that's really handy. Thank you, Jesus, for building a church on my doorstep. <laughs> and it's the same mob, so I don't have to, you know, get to make a whole new bunch of friends. Some mob came down and uh, other people uh, gathered. But as a Redlandite coming back to Mackenzie, I thought it would be culturally appropriate because I'm all about cross-cultural communication is to dress appropriately for Mackenzie. Thank you, because I want to acknowledge, as part of my acknowledgement, I've, um, I've got uh, my Tim Lucas chinos on. <laughs> so I'm culturally appropriate because I match Tim. I don't know if you noticed it when we were hugging, but we were doing the same, same thing. Yeah, same pants. And I also want to acknowledge my Derek Peters uh, blazer <laughs> and my Jason Ellsmore shirt. Uh, uh, my heart's desire is to be like Paul was when he met with the people in Athens. He wanted to be culturally relevant. I want to be accessible to the mother church who, who burst us out of, at, down at Redland. So um, we use the name we are gold to say kinship because we are family. And so right now I'm going to start treating you like family, which might be uncomfortable for some of them, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go there anyway. It means we don't all have to hug straight after church, don't worry. Someone already bought me a coffee at um, halfway through, so you're, you're off the hook then. And I'm not going to hit you up for a loan. But we are family. <laughs> Don't tell me your pin numbers. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> but we are family. And that's why we intentionally use that word, we are goal, to signify the fact that we are kinship. We're literally blood relatives because of the blood of the lamb that was spilt on the cross of Calvary to make us one. Amen. Unity and uniformity aren't necessarily the same things. That's why we have children's ministry. Why do we have a weird goal? Well, because we're communicating the gospel in ways that are meaningful to our culture. It's the same reason why we have Sunday school. Because we're communicating the gospel in a way that makes sense to kids. That's why we have a youth group. That's why we have a women's group and a men's group. Aren't we all one? Yes, we're one. But sometimes we have to explain this powerful good news in a way that lands and makes sense to the people of God and a culture to which they come from. That's why We Are Gull exists. Uh, and, that's, and we're part of you. We're literally your family. So if you wanted to get an indigenous flavour in your worship, come up and join us four o'clock next week. Uh, we might go over time. So if you plan to come to the five o'clock ceremony down here, you better do a runner. <laughs> Uh, don't come if you're on worship or you're on the... <laughs> you won't be able to stay that long. But you're, you're welcome to come and join us because we're family. I want to talk about um, uh, NADOC, and it was started um, by a, a William Cooper, but it stands for National Aboriginal and Islander Day of Observance Committee. So it's kicked off in 1938, and it was started by Christians, Indigenous Christians who said the way our people are treated isn't part of the kingdom. You know when it says in Galatians 3.28, there's no longer Jew nor Greek? So that means there's no racism. There's no longer slave nor free. That means there's no classism. There's no longer male or female. That means there's no sexism. For we are all what? 
There's a hint there to the finger. One, <laughs> we are all one in Christ. Part of our job as disciples, modern day disciples of Christ Jesus, is to make that biblical uh, truth our social, spiritual and lived reality. And it's easier than it looks, but that's what we pray when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're asking for, hey? You know, as if you like, you know. We're asking God's way of doing and being and living and understanding to be manifest and supernaturally realised in the way we walk, talk and live in the now. I don't want to wait till the sweet by and by to call you my brother and my sister. I don't want to wait till the other side before we can do fellowship. There's food to be had now, amen? There's things to be shared now. There's, there's uh, an expressions of the kingdom of God that we can enter into now. So the theme of our NAIDOC week is for our elders. So I wanted to reflect with you as family on some of the, um, some of the elders and some of the powerful ancestors in my community who are also uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. You mightn't know them yet, but you can say good day to them when we get to heaven, okay? You can say, yeah, Brother Grant told us about you and uh, nice to meet you. So I want to know if we can bring up our first guy. He's the one that um, basically led the charge. His name is William Cooper. He was a, a guy from the Yorta Yorta country in Victoria. Now, we have some Yorta Yorta people that are actually members of this church. Uh, they go along to this service, but they turned up at 8 o'clock and they really don't want to hear me again, bless them. So they, they did a runner and uh, they, if you want to meet them, uh, their names are Jen and their daughter, Tori. Uh, and uh, they come along to our We Are Golf Fellowship as well as the morning services here. So this was a Yorta Yorta man, a social justice advocate and a committed Christian. In January of 1884, he said yes to Jesus. He says, I want to follow Jesus because all the rest of his siblings have already made that choice. He comes from a big family. Uh, as Aboriginal family, we, we like to have kids. And, um, and he's come from a big mob. And he was the last out of all of his siblings to make a stand for Jesus. But he did so. And that stand for Jesus radically changed his life. His heart for justice, it was heavily influenced by um, the Jewish writings in the Old Testament. He didn't have social media back in them days. So there was no Facebook, there was no YouTube, there was no TikTok to, to tell him what was woke. So he wasn't part of the woke culture. He, he wasn't someone telling him about what was hip and trendy or fashionable or what do they call that? Virtue signalling now when you want to tell people you're up and you're down with the whatever's hip and trendy in the States. He didn't have that. He had the Old Testament and the New Testament as his motivator, as, his, uh, as the fuel for his passion to want something better for his community and for his people. And on the basis of that, he did a lot of writing and um, uh, lobbying and communicating and networking for uh, rights for the community. But it wasn't just for his own mob. On the 6th of December 1938, he and a bunch of other Aboriginal pastors and uh, Christian community led a march from the Aboriginal Advancement League to the German consulate in Melbourne to protest against uh, um, a thing called... Uh, 
Kristallnacht in Germany, the night when the Nazi uh, government went around smashing all the windows of Jewish businesses in a community, and when the Nazi government uh, uh, led a campaign of terror against the Jews. This man of God is saying, that's not the kingdom of God. There's no Jew, there's no Greek. We're marching. Martin Luther King said, if there's injustice anywhere, is a threat to justice everywhere. And while this uh, uncle William mightn't have thought that at the time, he certainly acted on it. And he and a bunch of other um, Aboriginal Christians marched to deliver a petition to condemn the cruel persecution of the Jewish people by the Nazi government. It's funny because historians have noted that he was advocating on behalf of Jews for rights that he, didn't, he actually didn't enjoy in his own home. But such was his uh, conviction from the word of God that says we've got to go, we've got to move, we can't sit still on this, this is not the kingdom of God. So in 19, uh, actually, if you go down to Melbourne, in 2018, they actually led a reenactment. And if you go down to the Melbourne uh, Jewish Museum in, in Victoria, they have a memorial to William Cooper for the work that he's done uh, and the, the fact that he was one of the most prominent and first Australian um, protests that took place in, in, uh, in that time in 1938. He was the, uh, he probably didn't see all the dreams he wanted for Australia fulfilled. He didn't see the uh, Aboriginal people being counted as, as full citizenship. That didn't happen until 1967. But what he did install was in, uh, from 1938 and from 1940 going forward, the first Sunday was considered a day of prayer for churches across Australia. That process got moved from a day of commemoration to a week of celebration as time moved on. So from the 30s and 40s, it's grown into a week because, well, one day it's just not enough to have a good party, is it? Even when you've got relatives that come from long way, you've got to wait for them to turn up. And so it's now a week where we want to celebrate the things that uh, have done. Now, I didn't have a chance to include this next guy's photo, but I'll tell you about him anyway. William had a nephew, and his name was Pastor Sir Douglas Nichols. And they do have an AFL round named after him. He was a prominent athlete. He was also a Yorta Yorta descendant, and he uh, used to play for Fitzroy and was part of the interstate Victorian uh, VFL team. He was also a Church of Christ pastor and a church planter. And uh, he was one of the um, ceremonial officers partnering the beginnings of the reconciliation movement that is alive and well today. Uh, in 1972, he was appointed a, a, a knight a bachelor, and he was the first Aboriginal person to receive a knighthood. Uh, he was also um, the first Indigenous, uh, what do you call those people? Governors. Governors of South Australia, I have the notes down here, but I don't always comply with notes. Uh, but they exist for when I go off this way, I can know where I was. <laughs> so um, he was also the first uh, governor of South Australia, first Indigenous governance of South Australia. 
I want to just another favor. So here's our bro- these are all brothers in Christ. When you get to heaven, you'll bump into them and say, hey, do you want to kick a footy? Because I reckon he'll still be able to do it on the other side. This next guy, is, his name is John Saunders. Now, he was one of our earliest Baptist ministers in Australia. He was pastor of the Bathurst Street Baptist Church in Sydney. And uh, so he uh, was originally from the UK and he came over to Australia. He was an outstanding preacher. He, he, uh, for his time, he was a wise pastor, a strategic church planter and a supporter of world mission. He was also the guy that you'd point to around Christian social responsibility. When it comes to putting faith in action, this guy was Australia's Baptist grandfather. He's the one we can point to as, as the one who set the benchmark. He was the one who was also preaching against violence against Indigenous peoples. Around that time earlier, in um, 1938, he preached a sermon on the 14th of October um, against the uh, massacre in Mile Creek, in, in, uh, in Mile Creek Massacre on the Gwaida River. Um, anyone know where the Gwaida River is in Moree, all that northern New South Wales? All the morning congregation, they seem to know all the geography. Um, this younger congregation, we sound like we need Google to do our tribal <laughs> tracking through the countryside. Anyway, this guy was preaching uh, human rights and the dignity in Christ Jesus when people were writing in the papers and they were debating over whether we were human or not. And one person said, if an Indigenous person has a soul, then so does my dog and so does my horse. On the other side of the claim are people like Reverend John Saunders, a non-Indigenous brother in Christ, an advocate, and someone who was not only praying, but preaching and living his kingdom come, his will be done in, in Sydney, on Bathurst Street, in New South Wales, on the Gwaida River, on Mile Creek, as it is in heaven. That was his conviction. Um, you can go online and read his uh, sermon. It's got a lot of these and thous because that's how they rolled back in those days. They weren't very seeker-sensitive, so... Nothing like our sermons here. Um, so that was how we rolled back in those days. Last person I wanted to, sh- uh, last, uh, second last, that's mum and dad. Uh, I want to include them. Yeah, somebody's. <laughs> They're the reason I'm here today. They lived Jesus in a way that I could see, that I could, that I could say yes to. My dad was lucky enough to go to high school. And uh, though they're in their 80s now, back in their days, that was radical uh, because my mum wasn't allowed to go past fourth class. And if you could look and just see, she's a fairly fair-skinned Aboriginal people, but she couldn't get on and off her community without a written piece of paper. That was the Protection Act. When the South African government were forming apartheid, they came over and studied Queensland. Uh, Protection Act and thought, oh, this looks like a good idea. And so they took it back to South Africa and called it apartheid. But that was what my mum needed to get on and off her community. And uh, that woman taught me about forgiveness. She doesn't hold any regretments. By right, she should, but she doesn't. 
50% of her wages were stolen and held by the Queensland government for her generation. And she taught me about forgiveness. In fact, her generation had... Uh, Queensland government was so, doing so well financially, they told the federal government, keep your money. We've we got enough to spend on blackfellas here. It's because they stole half of it in, in stolen wages. She taught me that forgiveness is about loving others even though they don't love you. You can see her testimony online. Australians Together are a Christian organisation and they have a video of my mum giving her testimony there. So my parents were also missionaries. So my dad uh, studied with the Baptists and that's what he looked like in the 70s. They grew hairy sideburns and they all looked like they were from uh, a 60s American cop show. But uh, <laughs> so it kind of looked like the 1960s. And I thought everybody's dad did that uh, and dressed like that with a big thick belt and the uh, wide sideburns. It's a skinny tie, because back in those days, I remember having a tie that was so big. Remember 90 ties in the 70s? They looked like mini tablecloths, you know, paisley-looking things, and uh, that's how he dressed. The next slide uh, shows ministry in action. So my dad's baptising the tribal elder of that community. This is a man that's revered by God, and the community people of this day call him Moses. His name is Vincent Lingari. And that skinny boy, I was skinny once upon a time, and I got photo evidence to prove it. Look how skinny my ankles were over there on, on the left-hand side with that kid with a hat and the round face. That's me. The round face has stayed. Uh, everything else is sort of stretched. <laughs> Except my ankles. Okay, I promised my wife I wouldn't do it, but I'm going to take another diversion. This is strike two. <laughs> I used to play in a, a multicultural band with Fijians and uh, Samoans and everybody else and Maoris. And one fellow said, brother, I look at you and you could come from anywhere in the islands until I see your ankles and, and then I know you're Aboriginal. <laughs> and there's, there's photographic evidence there that my ankles are still the same. So it's just it's a big body on skinny ankles. <laughs> that guy is the same guy that led the walk-off, uh, the Wave Hill walk-off. You heard that song from Little Things, Big Things Grow, written by um, Paul Kelly. Thank you. I always forget his name. And, and another guy called Kevin Carmody, who I bumped into at university and challenged me as a because he knew I was a Christian, but that's another story for another time. I'm limiting myself, <laughs> staying to the notes. <laughs> But that's the ad from Little Things, Big Things Grow. It was talking, singing about this guy and his quest for equal pay for his to do uh, work for cattle uh, ranchers on his own homeland. They were paying them pittance and couldn't afford to feed Aboriginal stock persons. And he, and he put a stop to it and said, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. And they tried to wait him out, but they called it the, um, uh, the walk-off where the Gurindji people says, no, we can't, we can't do this sort of stuff. We, want, we, want, we need equal pay. And he told my dad, God told me to do this. He wasn't doing it because he was some left-wing advocate wanting to do something a trendy, hip or woke. 
He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to see God's kingdom come and his will be done for Gorinji people as it is in heaven. The communist movement was always also around. And we heard from a communist convert later down the track when my dad was speaking at another church. He said, there was a write-up about you in, the, in Moscow. We were looking for a way into the Australian Aboriginal community but they were thwarted because revival had broken out amongst the Gurindji. People were turning in numbers to God uh, and the idea of justice and the idea of uh, righteousness weren't mutually exclusive. The idea of God's grace, God's kingdom had penetrated the Gurindji people. To this day, the church is still there. Um, descendants are still there. I bumped into elders now and they'll tell me, because uh, my name up there is... Your mother they used to teach us Sunday school. And they, used, and they would tell us about um, this fellow here. He was our Moses. He took, walked with us and, 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 and prayed with us and showed us how to live God's way. I want to talk uh, with you about some spiritual ancestry. Uh, and some spiritual uh, champions in the word of God that are also our ancestors. We use the word uh, we are gold because it conveys the reality of our oneship when we call our little fellowship up that way because we are literally family. Aboriginal people will see biblical people as literal family as well because they are all part of that song line, part of that story, part of that thing which God has done. And I'm going to read about this family and two heroes. One of them is called Cornelius and the other one is called Peter, a man after my own heart, because he's got a head like a rock. Um, Acts chapter 10, it said, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion on what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout God-fearing people. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Take note of that. One day uh, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared back at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered him, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who was called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, he had gone. Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier uh, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, I love how the Bible says times. You know, three o'clock the day before, day after, it's noon. Uh, and I think that's really cool. The following day, now Peter the doctor wrote this, so he's pretty precise. So um, that's probably the reason why he is uh, uh, so precise in his time. About noon, the following day, uh, as they were on, on their way journeying and approaching the city, um, Peter went up. Uh, on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open up like us, 
heaven open up and something like a large sheet uh, being let down to earth by four, uh, by its four corners. It contains all kinds of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds. Then a voice told, told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. That happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken up to heaven. That would have been a spin out for Peter because it was contradicting his theology and everything that he had learnt to be true of the Old Testament at that time. Everything he had been taught in the law. That would have been a major uh, trip for him. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent uh, by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Now the story for there goes on. Peter goes back, uh, prays with the family, tells them about the gospel. The family all received the gospel of Jesus, Cornelius, and not only him, but all of his household at those days. Back in the day when those people said, we say yes to Jesus, the whole family said yes, which is a bit different to how we do things now because we like personal Lord and salvation. They did whole household. As for me and my house, we all want to follow Jesus and we all want to do it. Three things I want to say quickly about these two, um, these two examples, these two ancestors. I want to do it as quickly as I can uh, because I want to be a good Baptist and finish on time. Well, as good as I can be. <laughs> uh, I find Baptist time and Aboriginal time are very similar when it comes to starting, though. <laughs> You mob drip in there and come in there when the song started. The other thing I was looking for, I was late this morning too because I was trying to find my uh, no-name R.M. Williams knockoff lookalikes so I'd have the boots to match the pastoral uh, outfit, you know. I want the Mackenzie looks, you've got to wear R.M. Williams and then your proper Reggie-Ditch uh, Mackenzie-ite pastoral look. So I got the shirt trousers and... Um, uh, blazer, shoes next time. Three things these spiritual ancestors did. The first of them was they were men of prayer. Both Cornelius and uh, Peter were shaped by prayer. In fact, it was Cornelius's prayers and actions that had so inspired the spirit of the, the messenger from God to come in and, and encounter him. And uh, Similarly with Peter, he went up to the top at lunchtime at noon uh, to pray and be, have some quiet time with God before lunch, as you do when you're hungry. I should pray more when I'm hungry. Lord, let me eat less in Jesus' name. But the acts of transformation the supernatural manifestation from God to both of these 
spiritual ancestors of ours came as a flow-on effect from being men of prayer. They spent time with God. Have you noticed that people who spend a lot of time with God talking and praying and listening look and sound like God? It's, it's not, it's not uh, rocket science, but the people who seem the most godly and seem the most Christ-like I like that because that's where they're spending their time, in prayer. Actually, the disciples, when they first went out to preach by themselves, people noted them and they'd say, well, they're just hairy, smelly fishermen, but they look and sound a heck of a lot like Jesus. People took note of them because they knew that was their Lord and Saviour. They spent time in prayer. Prayer is not one-way traffic. This is something I also want to say. Prayer is not uh, turning up with your shopping list and saying, there's my prayer, Lord. Bless this, bless that such and such person, and here's what I want for Christmas. Prayer is about spending time waiting for him to speak back to us, knowing what his voice sounds like, getting a feel for his personality. So when God does eventually speak, we know what it is because we spent time with him. They knew what was God's voice. They didn't question the voice of the messenger and saying, are you from God or are you part of my Freudian man of slip and, you know, or your vision, you know, of something else that's got nothing to do? Are you from the devil? They knew it was actually from God. They didn't have to question the authority of the spiritual manifestation. They didn't have to pray it away in the name of Jesus. They knew it was God because they spent time talking with God. They know his voice. They know how he, how he is. My father helped set up a Bimbadeen uh, college, a training, an Aboriginal training college, mainly because of what that old fella, Vincent Lingari from uh, Northern Territory, had said. And we built a college with the Aboriginal Evangelical Fellowship, and it was self-supporting, so we had chickens and... Uh, um, a veggie garden, and we were trying to raise money through wheat and farming. And I remember being home from boarding school, shoveling the wheat onto the auger, and because uh, we were trying to um, uh, get our wheat to marketplace and uh, get that money in to help train more Aboriginal leaders. And I remember the, uh, the farm leader there, and we had the mechanic's son. And bless him, this lad got a second hand, but it was brand new for him. Remember those mini bikes from the 1970s that had the big, fat, chunky lawnmower-looking tyres? He had one of those mini bikes, and he thought he was the bee's knees. And he also had one of these uh, uh, helmets from the 1970s that looked more like something off Lost in Space because it was paisley coloured and it had one of those coloured tinted glass that went out like that, and it looked gaudy as so much 1970s. I think, brother, all you'd need is a pair of flares and you'd be right in. You know, it was the 80s, so flares are dead and gone, and so I need mini bikes. But he was so keen and proud of his mini bike. The auger broke down and we needed a tool. So the property manager standing on the tractor said, Right, boys, I think what we need is we need to get some tools from the, uh, from the workshed down the valley and up over the, the other side of the, on the next ridge. And that young fellow with his flash mini bike said, Yep. On it right away, and he jumped on his mini bike and went put, 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 put. and he went down the valley, went down the hill, and right up the other end. And we could see him off in the distance and going up to the tool shed, 
And that property manager stood there on top of the tractor. He's got no idea what tool to get. <laughs> he didn't wait around to hear what I was going to tell him, unless he knows how to fix his auger, because I didn't have time to explain to him. I didn't tell him what tool to get, what piece of metal to get, and how we're going to fix it. He was clueless. But he was so keen because he had that flash new mini bike. And did it sound good? No. But it, he felt good riding it. Sometimes the people of God, we can be like that, eh? God can tell us, okay, my children, I want you to, yep, I got it, Lord, we're off in the name of Jesus. We're going to go out and we're going to build people and we're going to go build a church. We're going to do this thing. And we didn't stop around to ask him, uh, to wait for him. Hey, I, did, I, whoa, I didn't tell you how. I didn't show you when. <laughs> You're off on your mini bike and you didn't wait for me. Um, prayer keeps you connected. Praying without ceasing is what Christians are called to do. The Muslims are told to pray five times. We're told to pray without seeking and be in the attitude of prayer so we can be directed by the Spirit of God constantly. The second thing I wanted to say with both Cornelius and Peter acted on their message from God. When the Spirit uh, presented to Cornelius saying, go get, the, um, go get uh, send people to um, find uh, Simon Peter at Joppa, he didn't wait, got two of his servants and one of his guards and saying, okay, boys, off you go. And uh, similarly with Peter, he didn't sit back and thinking, wait, wait, wait a minute, don't speak. Still making sense of the vision. Shh. He acted straight away. When the Spirit said to get downstairs and go, that's exactly what he did. They moved on uh, the calling of God. They didn't take up a committee. Wait a minute, we need to form a ministry committee to test the, uh, the validity of this uh, message. They didn't, do, they didn't check the horoscopes. They didn't say, well, I need to check what my horoscope is on my phone. They didn't check the weather. They didn't put out a survey of their local demographics to say, is this vision consistent with our local strategic plan? Will this line up with our mission statement? They moved. When God said it, they did it. And I love that about how God calls people. He did that with the disciples as well. They were just hanging out by uh, um, their boats with fishermen and they rock up to them and Jesus says, come follow me. They didn't say, hey, wait a minute, I've got to go off this way. Immediately, the Bible says immediately they left their nets and followed him. When they knew it was the voice of God, they took action immediately. I find the book of James confronting uh, for these reasons. Uh, it, if it says if you're told to do something by God, then you jolly well should do it. In verse one, chap and, uh, in chapter one, verse twenty-two of the book of James, it says, "Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." Family, that's the example of our ancestors. There, our spiritual elders Cornelius and Peter didn't wait around; they were obedient immediately with what they understood the voice of God to be and they recognised that that was the voice of God because they spent a lot of time there in prayer. 
they were immediately, they were obedient immediately to do what God says. Dynamic faith requires dynamic obedience and dynamic action. You want transformational uh, move of the Holy Spirit in, in our time, it requires transformational obedience to what God is asking us to do and be my family. And I say that as someone who's in the soup with you. I'm not more righteous than anybody here. There's people in this room that have walked with God longer than I've lived. And so I want to acknowledge them as my elders as well. James also says in chapter 2, faith without a corresponding works. Faith in Christ without action. Faith without works is what? It's dead because the people who need life giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ won't receive it. Faith, if it's kept in our hearts and not proclaimed out there, won't hit its mark. It won't land where it's supposed to be because people won't see it and people won't get it and people won't understand it and people can't make a choice, an informed, intelligent choice because they can't see the words matching the actions. Folks, We've got to pray, be people of prayer, like our, our examples of our, our, our spiritual elders here. And we've got to be people uh, who are prayerfully active and are ready to put our, our gospel out of the book and into boots. We've got to be Christians for something. Some Gurindji mob where dad was used to pastor there. When they saw somebody whose walk didn't match their talk, they used to say, I am not proper Christian, even Christian for nothing. Christian for nothing because these works don't match his uh, words. Francis of Assisi is often coined as preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. That's the idea of that words and action coming together. The last part of what these guys did is they proclaimed the gospel to the people around him. They proclaimed the understandings and the transformations and the shifts. Um, Cornelius made sure his whole household heard the gospel and they were all baptised. Peter said these words in verse 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Because of these guys in the book of Acts, and not just Peter and Cornelius here, but Paul as well, the gospel burst out of being a subsect cult of Judaism and became the good news to us all. Are there any descendants of Father Abraham here this morning? Any Jews here, uh, Jewish people, Jewish ancestry? Then we are all gent. There's a couple, hey? Praise God. I see you, my sister. Bless you. Shalom. Um, for the rest of us, we're all Gentiles. We are all children of Father Abraham through the cross of Christ, through the blood spilt for us as Calvary. That's how we became part of God's family. We have been grafted in because the gospel went from uh, Jerusalem and Judea to uh, North Africa to Europe, and from Europe to the uh, British Isles, from the British Isles to Australia, to my people, to us here today. 
We are the legacy. We are the outworking of people like Peter and Cornelius realizing that the gospel was bigger than something just for the Jews, but it's something for us as well. So in closing, don't you love the word, those words? When the pastor says, well, the leader speaks. So in closing, so you can all breathe. Oh, thank you, brother. I was telling these folks earlier that that was my favourite line as a preacher's kid when whoever was preaching was saying, and lastly, brethren, and I'm just thinking, amen, I'm thinking about that Monte Carlo biscuits, <laughs> cup of tea after that. I've got to hip and shoulder somebody out of the way so I can get to them biscuits first. Uh, I noticed I didn't get a Monte Carlo, but never mind, the Lord knows. <laughs> it's because I didn't have the boots, I'm sure. <laughs> if I come back with the boots, do I get Monte Carlos? <laughs> okay. Um, see, this is my story again, unplanned stories, go and walk about. And finally, brethren, and I say that, in, in honesty and not just as an Aboriginal pastor. You can never trust an Aboriginal pastor or a preacher when they say finally, but the keyboard player is up, <laughs> bringing spirit fingers so we know that. So you can play now, sister, to, to help, you know. It's like the Oscars when they bring the music on to shut the people up. It's like, uh, I'd like to thank God for this award. <laughs> Some of us may not be elders today, some of you are. One day, we all will be an elder. If we don't have biological descendants, offspring, one day we might. And if we don't have kids uh, that are looking to us or nieces or nephews, then chances are we have somebody younger than us in Christ who's watching our every move who's looking at us to see what kind of witness we are. Whether we like it or not, we are a witness and a living example to somebody about the character we have and how much God's way has sway in our lives. My question to you, my brothers and sisters, my one we are gold kinship, are we a good witness to the kingdom of God? Are we a good witness or are we a poor one? Do people look at us and think, if that's the standard, I want to be a Christian like Auntie such and such, Mr. such and such, brother such and such from my home group. There's an example of Jesus I want to follow and be like. My prayer for all of us this NADOC is that we be the kind of people the kind of elders, the kind of ancestors that we're going to be for the future, that people can say, see, there's a prayerful relationship with God. There's godly faith in action. They're doing the words, living the kingdom, not just hearing it. And they're proclaiming this kingdom. They're telling people uh, through the things they say and the, and the actions they do, who Jesus is. Let's pray, family, shall we? Loving God, we thank you for the people who've set the example. Thank you for Peter, people like Peter and Cornelius who spent enough time with you to recognise your voice when you spoke.
May we spend that same amount of time that we get used to your voice that when you call us to places unknown, to places foreign, that we'd be brave enough to answer and say yes. Help us to put our faith into action and to do the kinds of things that might seem unnatural, countercultural, because we want to be about your kingdom come and your will be done in Mackenzie, in Brisbane, in Queensland, in Australia, in our nation, in our world, that all people can see that you are God and you desire to bring us into right relationship with you. This we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, thanks, man. Bless you, brother. <laughs> Grant is someone who is uh, following in his ancestors' footsteps and uh, doing the things that he has seen them do. And as he does that, he's bringing great honour to his ancestors. Hey, we're going to sing a song in a moment, but just as we close, I just want to invite or give, provide an opportunity for those of you who might not yet have put your trust in Jesus. Today we've heard about a, a Jesus who is the name above all other names. We, we've seen the story of that Jesus change people's lives here in our own country and also 2,000 years ago, a, a Roman centurion. You know, Jesus willingly gave His life up on the cross for the payment of our sins. Jesus was hung there on the cross, completely innocent, but at the same time taking on the sins of the world. And Jesus died for our mistakes and our missteps. He took on the punishment so that we would not have to. But then for Jesus, death was not the end. The Bible tells us that on the third day, He rose again. And He went on to uh, uh, do, continue that journey with His disciples, who then continued that faith on and through the power of the Holy Spirit, shared with people like Cornelius and saw the Gospel spread throughout Judea, Jerusalem and the whole, J Jerusalem, Judea, and eventually the whole earth. Today, Jesus is offering you an opportunity to step into His family, to accept Him as Lord and Saviour. To say, yes, I want to trust You, I want to live for You. And forever, whoever does that is the reward of eternal life. I want to encourage us right now, let's all close our eyes and bow our heads. If you were here today and you've not yet put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, I want to invite you just to shoot your hand up right now. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to celebrate with you. If you're here this morning and you've not yet put Jesus in the control of your life, declared Him as your Lord, today is your day. You want to say yes to Jesus. I encourage you right now. Everybody's got their eyes closed, their heads bowed. Just raise your hand. Say yes to Jesus. Welcome home. If you're online, and that's you, just encourage you to drop uh, a line in the chat. Just say, hey, yeah, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Saviour today. I'd love to pray for you and give you a gift and connect you on the journey. Is anyone here today in the room? No, that's cool. That's cool. You can make a decision for Jesus at any time. It doesn't have to be in a church service. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday even. You can make a decision for Him at any time. But if you do, I encourage you to share with someone 
They would love to uh, help you on that journey. Hey, why don't we stand this morning? We're going to uh, join together in a final song that just talks of this God who has been, who is, and who will forever be. A God who thousands of generations have followed. A Saviour who has been leading people for thousands of years. That same Saviour that Vincent Lingari put his trust in. That same Saviour that you and I together put our trust in today. He is our holy God. So let's sing together and worship Him this morning. for joining us today. Thanks for being part of the conversation. I want to invite you to continue that conversation at Weirgo or maybe with some of our Weirgo mob. 
here today. Uh, I'm sure Grant won't mind being delayed to uh, run out and get the Monte Carlos. Sorry, mate, there actually aren't any here. But uh, we'll get you a coffee. Uh, you can get a free tea and coffee as well out the front or visit our Beyond Cafe. But God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Don't forget to register for Move Conference. We look forward to being with you next Sunday as we kick off our first Peter series. God bless you and have a good one. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.